and welcome to the After the Whistle podcast. My name is Keo, and on today's episode, Crack, Smiley, and Kawawa join me to discuss the upcoming Champions League and Europa League finals. We also discuss the status of the upcoming African Games next year and how, as a host nation, we are prepared for it. Now, if you haven't already, follow and interact with our Twitter account at ATWPodcastGCR and catch all of our episodes on listentogcr.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy the episode. You see, if we start, everyone just will be quiet, silent, so that I know when to start. But then you can move around. Doné has featured on one episode more. Lawlessness count the, the order of things inside. Why? Hey, uh, Doné, you choose. Don't, don't, don't come back here no more. You're not welcome here anymore. I'm back to do things and put things right. Charlie, how are you guys? How are you guys? The floor is yours. The floor is yours. The floor is yours. Please, you are fine, sir. Good to know, sir. How are you? Charlie, what's up? Ah, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Crackers. Charlie, I do. I like to read here. All my gender for water inside, no, sir. Recorded, recorded on a Saturday night, right after um, the Chelsea and City game, the preview for the Champions League final, in case no one knows. Uh, good, good, good round of games leading up to the final, with uh, an all-English final happening within a space of two years. Should we dare say English football domination is back? Yes. Tell me. Small, small breakaway there. The one should say, nah, they're not going to be the kings of Europe. Be so. Exactly. Yes. Be so, be so, be so, be so. But yeah, let's get things started right away. Premier League, uh, Champions League games, which happened uh, last week with um, City and PSG, which was total capit- uh, capitulation from PSG. And a very disciplined victory over uh, seasoned winners Real Madrid from Chelsea. Now, I don't know where to start, but then me, I'll, I'll leave it to you guys to see what you want to talk about first. Right? Yeah, I see you people, people get this for your top, like for your hard top talk. Wow. So, smiling me, are you, they always like talk, so I'll, I'll leave it to you. Where, <laughs> where, where would you like to start? Um, Real Madrid. Real Madrid, very disappointed, actually. Not just because my money did them on top, but see, I didn't expect them to look so um, amateurish. Then I don't know why he decided to go with that three back. It didn't work in the first leg. He came back with it again for the second time. I don't know what he was expecting to happen. Because actually, the Chelsea team, they are very, very disciplined. They are very, very organized. Breaking them down, they actually def- put in the defense with like ace players. Everybody did it back. How you go break through? I don't know. And then that's a hazard. Nobody knows what he was doing on the pitch. Actually, 
Anything at all like the Hazard movie. Hazard was one of my favorite Chelsea players. Like, in fact, one of my favorite Premier League players. And he's, he's a shadow of his former self. Actually, it was a very disappointing. This, this, this is a sidebar, though, and we'll, we'll even find a better time to talk about it. Now, with the introduction of the new uh, Premier League Hall of Fame, do you think one, when it's time or when he's eligible? You'll be inducted. Very serious question. And over the past ten years, you could probably say he's been one of the. He was one of the top, top three players in the Premier League. Well, uh, uh, crack. Would you like to take on uh, <laughs> City PSG? I mean, uh, last three episodes also when we were making a prediction about Bayern Munich and City, and when Bayern Munich was going to face PSG, uh, I made a prediction that uh, this Champions League is actually cities to cities to lose, because I mean, when you check the level of competition and how Bayern hadn't performed this season to their to the standard we know. And missing Lewandowski, you know, I just, I just knew like Pep was going to the finals and all of that. So against PSG, it wasn't a surprise seeing seeing them knock them about. It was too easy for City in the second leg. Like the first leg, it was a bit competitive until the second half. But the sec- the first leg was was competitive until the second half. But the second leg was a total dominance for City. Like PSG, PSG are just disappointed. Like just disappointed point the finger whether it's a coach or it's still the stinking attitude of the players you, you, you just can't tell you just don't know but they, they, they were lacking Mbappe can we can we agree that if Mbappe was if Mbappe was uh, on the pitch they were what I'm saying they were lacking Mbappe can we agree that if Mbappe was on the pitch things would have been different oh why Mbappe was on the pitch in the first leg and they lost but then still, it, so, it, it, it was it was not. Nah, he's a character. He's a game winner. No, it would, it, yeah, it would have. But I, I still think City would have pulled through regardless. Like I still think City would have. City wanted it more than PSG. Put Mbappe on and still Neymar, Neymar didn't perform. Like Neymar was off. Di Maria anger issues. Variety. They lost their heads and all of that. So I'm um, just. I think they would have gone through regardless whether. Mbappe played on it. That, that, that just... Now, um, since that you talked about Neymar, news has also just come out that he signed a contract extension till 2025. Clearly, he believes in the Paris project, wants to be able to win something there. But then, with these things that keep on happening, how I, I'll put it to you. Yeah. Um, his legacy... Do, do, do we have to sort of hold it to a different standard right now? Because clearly, do you have youngsters coming up and mm-hmm. they, they will look to take over the duopoly that is Ronaldo and uh, mm-hmm. Messi. Like, yeah. we, we don't really see Neymar come to take on that. We're looking to the next generation. 
So by him doubling down and saying that he wants to win something, uh, also yeah. win win the the Champions um, League okay. first, you know, do you think that his legacy yeah. uh, is a bit tarnished? Uh, I I I first of all, I I I don't think that Neymar cares about his legacy. That's 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 what I think. I mean, if he cared about his legacy, um, uh, the 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 move to Paris. You know, shouldn't have happened in a way. I mean, because um, if if you are in a club with with Messi and you know you guys are performing your own song, I mean, the thing is, this this whole thing about Neymar is just like a, a very long string of could have been. Do you get it? Because we can say that um, what could Neymar have been if he had stayed at if he had stayed at Barca? Would would Barca have won the Champions League again by now? What, what would Barca have been able to do? I mean, looking at the, the 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 three of them, the combination they were able to make in in Messi, Suarez, and Neymar, you you expected that it was going to stay and things were going to to flourish. Sometimes you don't understand the the the, the sort of decisions players make, and so that's why I'm saying that um, for his legacy, it doesn't it, he does he didn't care about it in the first place before he went. A lot of people can also argue that. Um, Neymar decided to go to Paris to become his own man over there and to sort of guide them to the UEFA Champions League final and probably win it. He has been able to guide them there. The win hasn't still come. And that's a problem because then um, this man is going to retire and everybody is going to think that he he wasn't who everybody thought he was or um, he couldn't live up to his potential. And that's that's also a problem for him because... For the Neymar we know, I mean, a lot of people know Neymar as a, as a really good player. Neymar is actually one of my favorite players. But, you know, usually when he comes into games, and like Crack was talking about mentality, I think that in all of the PSG, in all of the PSG team, that one of the people who lack the, the mentality of, of getting to the, to the very crunch moment and winning is Neymar. And it is a problem because if you are one of the senior players in the team and you are still not able to hold your head down in a game like like the one they played against Manchester City and try to win it for your side without having to throw tantrums and, and you know, falling down when you do not have to fall down and talking to the referee and stuff like that. It is just not going to help. And the, the whole PSG setup is just, is just flawed in the way. They lack leadership. Mauricio Pochettino could not, could not really hold his own on the team. And fine, City wanted it more. But it, I feel like if PSG just had their heads in the right place, they could have nicked it. And it will all have started with Neymar. Because if, if Neymar, who's the best player of the side, decided that I am going to play, then everything was going to start from him. And that's how they could have won. Because, I mean, there are so many examples of, of players, one player, a single player who has carried teams. Zlatan has done it before at, at many of the teams he has played at. Um, players like Messi has done it. Ronaldo has been able to do it. In, in, in certain teams when Ronaldo... When, when Madrid won things, we could all say that it was Ronaldo who carried the team to, to wherever they got to. And this is where this is what Neymar has to do. And clearly, he has, he's not able to do that. He needs, the, he needs the help of Mbappe. He needs the help of Di Maria. And if they are not there, then he can't do it. And, and that's a really big problem. So Neymar's legacy has already been tarnished. All he needs now is to probably try to guide um, PSG to the Champions League title. It looks increasingly impossible. I mean, every passing day looks increasingly impossible that Brazil would ever win the World Cup with Neymar. 
it doesn't look possible now. So what he has to do is probably just to go in there and try to win the UEFA Champions League or maybe the Copa America that they're going to play in the summer. That is when maybe a lot of people will turn their eyes to Neymar and say, oh, maybe this is the time to start paying more attention to him. You never know. I mean, he's now getting into his 30s. Some people don't mature until they're over 30. So maybe the next decade will be will be Neymar's golden moment. We, we, we never know. Historically, do, do South American players perform well after 30? Historically. <laughs> Well, Cavani is performing now, so so maybe. <laughs> hey, but the team that is playing in, no be small youngsters are now playing around the ball. <laughs> well, yeah, go, 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 go point on all those, uh, on basically his legacy. I, I even want to put it to everybody now, since we know that it's a long English final, and this is not a United podcast, which I repeat time and time again. <laughs> Who in back with it? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, kill okay, me. I've, 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 I, I tweeted after the 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 Chelsea Real Madrid game. I think it was even during the game. I tweeted that Chelsea were going to win the Champions League, and I'm going to stick with it. I mean, I was feeling that in today's game they wouldn't have won. Then it would have spurred them on to try to win the Champions League final. But they won today. It gives them extra confidence going into the Champions League final. And the thing is, if they are able to win the game against Leicester in the FA Cup final. Which one comes first? Is it the FA Cup or the Champions League final? FA Cup, FA Cup. FA Cup, exactly. So if they're able to win the FA Cup against Leicester, then their confidence is, is going to shoot over the roof. And that is also a problem because then they, they'll feel invincible going into the game against City. But I strongly feel that, that Chelsea will win the Champions League. I mean, it's it's a difficult place to be if, if you're a United fan, you know, trying to pick between the two, you know, trying to pick between Pep winning it with Manchester City or you know, looking at Chelsea winning it. And it's a, it's a very difficult decision to make, but I strongly feel that Chelsea have it in them to win the Champions League. Anytime Chelsea have gone into a final, they have shown that they are, they are worthy of being there. And every time they've been there, they've been very tough customers for anybody they've played against. In 2008, when they were there against Manchester United, it wasn't an easy game for Man United. In 2012, it wasn't an easy game for Bayern Munich. And... And I know that the game against City on the 29th is not going to be an easy game for City. Chelsea know how to play in finals, and they're going to throw their they're going to throw everything they have to try to win the final. And that's why my money is on them. It's a new generation, and hopefully, what they are known for carries through, and that spirit leads them to a second Champions League title. You see, that's the thing about Chelsea. The, the thing is, whether they recycle players or whatever. The, the mentality is sort of the same. The, the players just know what to do when they get there. Because, trust me, if, if, it was a, uh, if it was our United team that played in that semi-final against Real Madrid, we would have struggled on many fronts. On many, many fronts. But Chelsea just had the mentality. They just knew that they, they had to go in and, and do one job. And they went in and they did it. So, I mean, given how they beat Real Madrid... And even how they, they got into this place in the first place. They had to lose that game against Porto. They pulled through. Then they beat Atletico Madrid. Then they beat Real Madrid. I mean, I feel like from all that they've been through and getting into the final, this should just give them extra confidence to know that if we've been able to beat teams like Atletico and um, Real Madrid, who have won it so many times. I mean, in the past five years, Zidane has won the Champions League three or I think three times or two times in the past five years. So if you're able to beat a manager like that and you're, 
and you are in to face a manager who has not won it since 2011. I mean, it, it shouldn't be that difficult if you ask me. Well, well, well. Smiley. So, this one, how, how, do you, how do you even choose who, who you want to be? Please, please let us know. <laughs> our, our odds. Our odds. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, most of the favorites, overwhelming favorites on the whole side. Actually, how do you even choose? You will, you are choosing between. I wouldn't say between a rock and a hard place, but it doesn't even do justice. Between two rocks, between rocks, two so rocks. The, between a lake of fire or the middle of the ocean, drop me in one of them. Because, bro, you are talking about these loud Chelsea fans. Chelsea, look at see something. Every time I'm watching football. And I have to stream the game. Sometimes I'm too lazy to go downstairs to watch the match. So I'm streaming the game. And the streams are always like 30 seconds behind. And I'm, for example, the Chelsea game. Like 30 seconds before the goal happens, then the whole area is screaming, Go! Everywhere, go! I see their next door to me. You know, they're watching the game from like five like streets away. No, like your friends. Like your friends, no. <laughs> so, no, Charlie... Okay. Chelsea fans are like the worst people to be in the middle of when they are happy and disturbing the whole area. Like, it's the worst, whether in your area or on the timeline, they are the worst people to do. Then on the other hand, Charlie, Pep Agenda. We do Pep Agenda sir, for like 10 years now. Say, Pep can't win the Champions League without Messi. Pep can't win the Champions League without Messi. And now they're in the final. So which one do we choose? Because Charlie, 10 years of Agenda... It's not easy to break it down like that. Too. We are coming to have to eat our words and everything. So, Charlie, uh, I honestly don't know who to They said pick that. one. They said pick one. <laughs> <laughs> if I was to pick one, Charlie, I think Chelsea, Chelsea might, might win because they are far too organized at the back and they might probably hit City on the counter at least once or twice. In the game, and I don't think City will be able to overcome them. Say crackles. Hi! Choosing between a witch and mommy water. My God! <laughs> hey, now we are going Like, seriously, I, I, I'm, I'm more inclined to stay with my pick, that City. But Chelsea. Like Tunchal has done has done a great job. Like, look, Chelsea is so organized. Like they attack together, they defend together, and they will run you. Like, see, there there are not enough spaces to pass. Like the way City dominates and all against other teams. So those triangles and those spaces that you've been looking for, you will not get it unless you get this one. Uh, 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 the Brian crosses that inshallah, there may be somebody knocks it or something, then it happens. Because I, I don't really see a way out for City. But even though I want to stick with them. And if there will be a difference maker, I still think it will be Foden. Foden or Gundogan. One of them in the finals. Because... Charlie, we, we, we don't talk about such players. Because against... Foden ball. Yeah. Foden against ball. Chelsea, against Chelsea, starting Jesus will be useless. Because if you get a standing striker like him, that guy is not dominant. He always go and be playing on the wings and trying to cut in and come inside and all of that. It's useless playing him. You should just go with Foden as a number nine or something like the way he does and they will dominate the boy and try to break Chelsea. That That's the only way. Because if they don't overload the midfield, Kante alone 
can take on two players. Kante alone, right now he has regained his form and he's back to the Kante we know. That's how come it has coincided with Chelsea's um, recent performances. Like, Kante has been good. But, as you said, we have to choose one. And I would like to go with City because at the end of the day, City fans are just three on the timeline. And the pep agenda that has been 10 years that we've done, you can't win with Messi. We can still hang on our heads that it's been 10 years and use 20 billion thousand CDs money to go and <laughs> win the title. There is still an agenda there that we can push. That no coach has ever gotten this budget and waited all this long to get this one with all the money. We can still put an agenda there. But you can't push any agenda against Chelsea when they win. They will disturb you in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, at dawn. Even Sunday, Fufu, you hear from them. Even, even when you are playing, when they are playing the Euros, you hear about Chelsea fans. Like, though they are annoying. So, I'll just go with City. City will just win for world peace. <laughs> and this is why we are not a United podcast. We spent 20 minutes talking about Chelsea and City. United are in the Europa League final, which is the uh, Emery, Una Emery Cup. So, eh, you know that. <laughs> we'll see what, what becomes of that 20... What is that, 25th? 27th. Yeah, 27th. They are going to play a final. That'd be yeah. all. United, United go fit day. Emery go fit do something. Then, yeah, that'd be all. Moving on to uh, <laughs> more Super League news. I think UEFA uh, has come out with their punishment for the 9 out of the 12 uh, clubs that wanted to break away and form their own league by imposing a 5% with holding of their proposed earnings from European competitions this season. Now, uh, because the remaining three clubs are still proven stubborn, they've been referred to uh, the the UEFA Disciplinary Committee, which really be, you will come come for the back, make me talk. Then we'll come (laughs) talk for fancy. This is what we will do you, which, which is really trash. But then, yeah. I feel like the Premier League clubs really wanted to save face in Europe. And so with the amount of money which they are receiving, either from match day revenue or broadcasting rights or whatever, that's something which they can uh, sort of pay off. Plus also they've signed, I think, an undertaking or a bond, which basically says that if they are to do something like this, a fine can be placed on them. 100 million euros. It's a whole bunch of stipulations. But then, yeah, we'll talk about the, the punishment in general and see whether it was harsh enough or rightly, rightly, rightly given to them. Smiley, how, how, how do you feel about the punishments? Um, I think it's, 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 uh, it's a bit harsh for me. Like, Especially the part about signing the bond to never try anything like this again. It's, it's, I guess that they are trying to prevent it from happening again. But um, technically, you know, they didn't actually break any UEFA rules, especially by trying to break away from everything. It was just like in bad food and everything. But they didn't actually break any UEFA rules. So I think even the courts of arbitration or whatever for sports um, rule in favor of them that um, 
or give a preliminary judgment or something that they can't actually be stopped from forming the whole league. So it's a bit, how do I put it, autocratic for them to try and put it in the rules that they wouldn't be able to break away again because in the end, even UEFA itself came out came up from teams breaking away from something. Premier League came out from teams breaking away from something. So at least the fine the fine was okay to go with the the fine uh, is a fine or the withholding whatever thing. That one is fine for me. It's, it's not a problem. But that particular part that they are trying to essentially prevent anybody else from ever trying to break away. So maybe one day there might actually be a genuine need for them to do that. So I, I think it's quite um, an autocratic for them to put in. Alright. Paul, how you feel? Is the punishment deserved? Or? Um, so, I, I mean, I, I, I honestly didn't think that a punishment will come through. Um, I, I feel like, um, you know, I felt, I felt before that UEFA would probably just have a word with them and try to overlook it. But now that the punishment is in, um, I, I do not know how to you know express what I feel. But if the clubs have signed an undertaking to actually agree to the punishment, then they sort of know what they've done. And, you know, they're sort of showing remorse for it. But, I mean, it all goes to show how you, um, how the fans have been able to change things. Because had it not been the fans, had it not been, um, you know, the, the, the collective voice of everybody, this thing could have gone on. And so, you know, UEFA have done their bits, but I feel like there also has to be a point where they try to engage with the clubs. Because you can't be this autocratic for too long. If, if clubs want to form a league because they want money, then it means that there's something there that they can exploit. And it also means that there's something you are not doing right as a regulatory body. So then they need to sit down and try to you know, iron out the rough edges. Because, fine, the clubs might have agreed that they are going to pay so-and-so money and they are going to accept the punishment and stuff like that. But in, in 10, 15 years... If another Florentino Perez springs up and they are able to circumvent the rules, this thing is going to come back again. And so that's why they need um, a strong standing. They have to make, um, they have to do discussions. They have to sit down and talk about how much they are going to make in the Champions League, so and so and so, whatever. The new Champions League format has to make sure that it it puts clubs like Manchester United, Chelsea, the teams that many many people follow. It puts them in a good light so they can make the money that they want to make. But, you know, the, the whole idea of competition should be there, but the money aspect, they, they shouldn't overlook it because the money is what drove them to start their own league in the first place. So if they are going to come back, pay fines, and sign an undertaking to not do it again, and the money is still not coming, I'm sorry, but something else would happen. And, you know, it might not be good for European football. The way they budge this time... It might not be the way they will budge the next time. And if the rules are not checked, if things are not done and put in place in the right place, it's going to come back again. We interrupt this episode to give you a special announcement. I absolutely agree with you. The thing is, Africa is a huge continent and there's so many different diverse cultures that coexist within it. Not only cultures, but also artisanal crafts that haven't even really been seen or tapped into yet. And I think if we collaborate and also create networks within those spaces, we're able to really create this beautiful hybrid of artisanal craft, 
together with modern design. I think there's this huge misconception that um, African design has to be extremely colorful and very print driven. And even though I understand why that's also the case, because we there is such a vibrancy within our continent and there's so much diversity, but there also are things that are far beyond bright prints and um, traditional prints. This week's ethical fashion podcast shines a light on Jennifer Mooley, founder of the Kenyan brand Giamini, and South African designer Mukanyo Mindingi. Listen as they discuss growing their businesses and incorporating age-old traditions as they take on the international market. Now back to the episode. We'll wrap up by talking about what's happening in Europe. Uh, two leagues have been uh, wrapped up with Bayern winning their na- wait, the ninth in a year in a row. I think ninth in a row. Yeah, yeah Bayern winning yeah. their ninth in a row, and then Inter, <laughs> Inter <laughs> spoiling the Ju- Juventus dominance. Now this, this is something which I read, which I found very funny. So Conte started the Juventus dominance what, about ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Left, went to go and win titles somewhere, uh, came back, and then ended it. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, if, I know Smiley would, <laughs> won't, won't talk about my man. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Inter winning uh, a Scudetto, Lukaku feeling uh, justified, mm-hmm. uh, the United, rejects. I mean, we will speak from our perspective or, or, of these players going leaving the club to go and find silverware and, you know, actually doing it. But then, yeah, Inter winning their title, La Liga 2 heating up. Leicester, again, 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 can't seem to hold on to positions. They are not in tr- I don't feel that they're in trouble of losing third, but then still, you would think that for a game against Newcastle, they wouldn't capitulate like that. First of all, small correction. They've already lost because right now Chelsea have overtaken them. <laughs> I mean, I don't even check the tape. I mean, the season will end, so that boy I say you. <laughs> if it happens. Honestly, like, I don't think. I think they might be able to hold on to the top four spots this time. Not because they uh, they do they win enough games to hold on to it, but I think. There's enough of a cushion right now between them and Liverpool. I think Liverpool are their biggest threat. West Ham, I don't know, but I just feel like West Ham will stumble in the last in the last four games. So I think their biggest threat is coming from Liverpool. And Liverpool are like six points behind them at the moment. And with four, three games, I think it might be too much. So I think maybe they might be able to go down to virtually they need to really do something about how they always seem to stumble in the final games of the season. So the two seasons in a year has happened yet, so it's not a good matter. All right. Uh, we will, and this this one there, you all United fans, so everyone for can chip in. So Joe Glazer put out a letter uh, through the club communications department basically outlining um, his commitment to the club um, or commitment to the fans right now, um, promising them more engagement, apologizing for their failed move and basically all the right things to say when you've been caught 
uh, red-handed doing something you weren't, you weren't supposed to be doing. Now, every, everyone could talk you on. Like, I, mean, I feel like it's fake. Obviously, you, you just want to save the money where you feel lose. But then, do you think, moving forward, that there will be any change whatsoever in the way that the club will be operated so that these protests and um, the, same, the, the uprising which seems to be slowly built, not even slowly built, but building or picking up pace right now, and do you think that this will go down? All United fans on this podcast, yes. Okay. Yeah. The first thing I want to say is that if you had United, would you sell? Oh no. No. Smiley, if you had United, would you sell? <laughs> Catch cow for Exactly. So I don't I don't understand like the thing is like I don't understand the fans. Do you get it? I understand that I understand if they want better engagement and better value for money as 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 owners, you know, doing what they have to do in getting players in and making sure that the club you know is running in the in the right place. But it is going to be extremely difficult for the Glazers to sell the club. I mean, if I had United, I won't sell. And there's nothing you can do. What the, the, the thing is, the only thing you can do is to 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 come to the stadium and make noise and do what you want to do, and it will cost the players because they would have to be playing on a stringent schedules like like the way we are going to be playing now. You know, playing a lot of matches in a few days. Do you get? But it? I, so I, I think the thing the thing is is quite is quite uh, telling mm-hmm. because you if you have if you have this uh, property mm-hmm. in your care. And you yeah. actually understood what it takes to be able to take it to the next level. Because they just see it as a form of revenue. It'd be 20, some 20, 30 million when they claim yeah. dividends. The club is actually worth about three to four billion pounds right now. Mm-hmm. If they invested correctly, they would get more dividends. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing which they annoy fans. Yeah. It sounds like they annoy people like we, that, who, who was it? Like, the, you own the biggest club in the world. You have made it a commercial cash cow. You have no idea. Bro, it, it, it came out that they even went to the stadium to come and watch the match. They didn't even know who they are. Uh, that thing, they say it'd be Cronky, but then Cronky is a, is a sportsman. They know things. <laughs> Glaciers don't know shit about what they own or how they do. Uh-huh. They came to the football club. And they came to the stadium, came to watch the match, and were like, which, which, which one is our team? Like, there's no football person up there talking to them. That's why we as fans were even much more angry with Edward Wood. Because if you debab the commercial aspect, you debab say results on the pitch will directly translate into revenue being generated. The more you win, the more money you generate. It just not be deals where you go take come and it go spec up the place. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I, I believe that the club will not be sold. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely no one that can come. I mean, no, there are people that can come and come uh, offer to buy the club. Yeah. But then, if the owners come to understand what it takes to run, I mean, look about Abamovich. In model we say, if you know they perform, he's getting you out of there, and they've been successful. Yeah. There's absolutely no way that he's letting go of that club. The, the US mm-hmm. investors are not letting go of that club. But then, if they come to understand European football culture. If they are successful, especially in England, because Madrid, it not really it, it reflects, but then they control a lot of uh, the broadcast rights. Whereas in England, it's open. 
and you are able to generate you are able to make much more money based on the position which you place but but you, but you think there's a time when they will, they will come to learn that, that's the thing exactly so, i don't think so it, no it, it really depends on whoever comes next as executive chairman Okay. Whoever is going to be the interface between the football side of things, that's John Metal right now, and them. Because they understand the money. But if you if you get a football person there who understands how to direct... If, if you get Florentino Perez in there, bro, that, that shit is changing. Perez will get the money where he research, then the yeah. clubs will also be very stupidly successful. Someone in that mold anyway. Mm-hmm. But then, hey... It'd be, it'd be however however you engage with fans and you see you come to learn it because they don't understand the sport they don't understand the culture they don't understand the club and that well, that's the thing well the, the the thing is i mean so if if he has if he has if he has decided to, to but, but i mean i don't i don't get it like how do you buy a club for more than 20 years and it is now that you want to get involved in it uh, you, you know, you know, billionaire. You, I'll give you a billion dollars. <laughs> you know, one interesting thing I found out was that from the time they bought the club to now, the statements he issued just this week. Yeah, first communication. That was, that was his first communication to the club. Exactly. First, how do you own a club and you never even talk directly to the fans? You never hear from you. They don't even know. Exactly. Or they're not being dividends at the end of the year. Did they take one, they didn't see, take one dollar to get the club. The CDC, I mean, ha- all these years, they still they sell jerseys for China. They still they get deals. They still they make money. And what you for understand, you see, these Americans, they're my first priority be NFL. And my first priority be American football. That's be where they're my mind day. Whether it be Cronkey, whether it be the Glazers, that be where they're my mind day. Then they just can't buy team for Europe, invest in them, they make dividends. That be how then they see where they see and say, oh, these people want sign players, they want we we just make revenue available, go and buy whatever was they are not they are not inclined with the or in tune with the day-to-day football activities. They don't give a fuck. Just this time around, the way Corona then things shape up where the funds vex and things no. This be the time where it touch them. Where I believe that this time around all the glazers out campaign this time around it's going to hit differently than previously and they've seen it with the pressure that led not just see it would not you know go kk uh, uh, um, um, who was in the super league the way fans can go to his house and go and threat him and all of that you know, he knew another one could happen at any time <laughs> there were so many factors not just that you think this guy this guy left course or what uh, super league there are so many things they are going to feel it this time around and i think maybe the, the fans want a say in a club where maybe a fan a fan group can buy a stake a, percent, a, a, a percentage in it where they can also join in management and make a decision yes but it will not one. happen these americans it will not happen that's why i'm crying for us now because it will not happen they won't sell even even if it won't happen, even if it won't happen, I think it's even to the to the benefit of clubs that it is not solely put in the hands of fans or it, like fans don't have that that importance see, of the, the premier, it because you see, want the your club to be able to up float when they, up. When they, when they, wow. mm-hmm. But you know the Premier League allowed it when they moved from the traditional Division One to English Premier League. Where it was all about the money, it was all about TV rights, it was all about exactly. investment. 
you open it up to all these people to come and buy and invest in clubs you understand and 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 if you follow all the money you end up selling your soul the fans will suffer and they will continue to suffer unless things change but how is it difficult for the glazers to appoint football people in united how is it difficult to get your board members full of uh, football people like you brought a rude one in fine the man was bringing deals and everything but that guy doesn't know anything about football he was just a fan and he's just passionate about bringing money and he thought he, he, he knew the football asset and was pompous enough not to listen to anybody. So I think they have a second chance to do things right. And if they don't, Charlie, it, it, it's not going to get any better. All right. <clears throat> Moving on to the main topic. <laughs> and this one, they're very, very short here. But then just to get you guys interested. Now, um, in case you don't know, next year is the 2023 african games which is supposed to be held in accra this city now there have been discussions and meetings and um committees being set up and all that saying that we will host this thing it will be across three different cities i'm assuming uh, Accra, Kumasi, Takrade. i'm assuming I, I don't know and uh, basically facilities are supposed to be put up and all that. Now, with the way COVID has hit, you would think that uh, there will be discussions as to how to speed things up or push things back. There have been no conversations whatsoever. Everything has really stalled at this point. Now, I will leave it to Kawa to break down the whole situation for it. No, I don't expect anyone's <laughs> comment on this because I don't think you guys knew about Oh, in a way, but more. it's for Kawa. <laughs> You bar because Charlie <laughs> <laughs> fix it. Fix the account, you <laughs> damn niggas. Yeah, the fucking tire. Come on, back and lighten us. Okay, so um, uh, twenty twenty three, um, uh, Ghana is supposed to host the Africa Games. So the the mantle was handed to us in Rabat after the African Games there. And then, you know, it was brought here. A committee was set up led by Dr. Kweku Fusasari. And then, I mean, it's a, it's a committee that has very, you know, astute people on. I mean, uh, there's also my very good friend and journalist, Eva Oche, is also on. And, you know, many other, you know, top, top guys in, in government and people who have done so much administratively. I think Dan Kweku Yeboa is also on it. I, I don't think I remember, but I think he's also on it. So... Um, their their job is basically to um, try to come together to rally Ghanaians together, and then also make sure that um, everything is done by 2023 when the the Africa Games is supposed to start. Now we are getting to half of 2021, and nothing has been done. And when I say nothing, I mean nothing. Not a single thing has been done. The committee met the president at the end of last year, I think somewhere in November or December, and then the president promised that this I can year promise. things were going to happen, things were going to start moving, but ah, we've still not are they? exactly. Promise we've, 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 yeah, we've 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 still not seen anything, and from what I'm from what I'm hearing of how how they want to you know do this whole thing, I doubt that the facility will be ready by 2023 because. They are trying to build an all-new 45,000-seater stadium somewhere in Dodoa that would host many, many of the games. 
And when I talk about many of the games, <laughs> and yeah, that one is not. Video, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when I'm talking about many of the games, I'm talking about um, uh, sports like squash. Hey. There's there's badminton, there's karate, there's judo, there's taekwondo. All of those things are done at the Africa Games. We need halls, several halls in that stadium that those events are going to be done. And if we are if we are going to need stuff like that, it's going to take a long time. I mean, Ko, you are the architect. I, I mean, forty five thousand seater stadium can it be done? From because the, the thing is, from my estimation, I feel like they are going to start somewhere next year. So can it be done in one year? Hey, you didn't ask me. <laughs> unless I don't. Hey. Unless the whole country decides to build, and even with that one, yeah, they ask you. Plans, no plans. No, plans have no, to no be I ask you. I they ask. No. Uh huh. Plans have to be done. Meetings yeah. have to be had between the client <laughs> and the 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 the, uh-huh. the 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 consultant. Like it'd be very involving thing. And if you say I come to Thank build you. a forty-five thousand seater stadium within a span of <laughs> six months or a year, see how we can tire, bro. Exactly. It, it, it's not. It's not exactly. Doable. No one so, asks to us. So I mean, I I I I I fear for it. I mean, I. Exactly. So me, I fear, I fear that this thing might not happen. And I mean, part of my fear is also that, you know, I fear that at the end of 2021, getting into 2022, these guys are going to try some makeshift things, try to build something at the Accra Sports Stadium, try to renovate the DG Hatamani Sports Hall, which is in a very, very bad state at the moment. And, you know, go to the Bukom Boxing Arena, try to build it, try to work on the Bukom International Pool and several other things and it might be very very substandard because if you are trying to host an africa games where everybody is going to come here there has to be a sporting village and and that sporting village where are we going to put it up in this Accra? if if we do not build what we are what we are supposed to build in dodua where are we going to put it up in this in this city so all of these things are problems i feel like if they have to start then they have to start now and with the way that I mean, I'm not I'm not hopeful because with the way the whole thing is going, trying to raise twenty five million dollars for the Black Stars, and then and then and then you know thinking about the Olympics and how to get our athletes there and all of that, I'm still believing that this thing might might start somewhere in October or November, when many of the sporting activities might have been done for the year. So it's a huge problem. I, I mean, I don't know how they're going to pull it off. If they're able to pull it off, well, kudos to them. But I don't know how they're going to pull it off. I mean, some time ago, I I, I, I just gave up on it. I mean, I, I, I've still given up on it, really, because I feel like at the end of 2022, if you are not able to do it, they'll just take the rights from us. And but they should do that. Else. Maybe some of the other established nations who can be able to do it, like 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 South Africa or Egypt. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's not looking too good for Ghana at all. I don't see how they are going to be able to do that, but I mean, hopefully, maybe they have they have plans. They have put plans in place to try to do it. But I mean, I like our, I like at all. I, I like our always. Mm. I, I like our always. Fix it to fix it. He's speaking oh, as there. a journalist and as a patriot as well. But me on, on but me on the other hand, I won't make them. No, exactly because because it I puts us because we would disgrace ourselves. Look, it can't be done in a year. It can't. <laughs> If you look at Brazil, prior exactly. to 2018, look at the way they suffered. Yeah. And it wasn't yeah. even a it's, year <laughs> yeah. to, to the World Cup. And look at Qatar, as, as 
Kose. Like, be, look, these people have taken a lot it of be, It will be very, very difficult and to do. This PR government, all they care about Ghana, this Ghana that, mm-hmm. look, they should fall flat on their faces. They should take it away from us and give it to somebody else. I don't care again. I've given in, I've given up on it a long time ago. Because because the Africa Games ended in 2019. Exactly. So, and and the mantle was handed to us in 2019. So if we really wanted to do something, Bro, we should have started like, maybe somewhere have, mid 2020, ah. and then it would have continued. I mean, fine. COVID has rocked everybody. It is it has been hard for many governments and stuff, but. I mean, if you've been given a mandate to do something of which you accepted, then I feel like this it is something we have to do. Because if at the end of the day, if you are not able to do it, it's 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 bad. It's a bad name for us, really. It's a bad name for Ghana. It is going to cost us, you know, in future when we are supposed to host other things. It's going to cost us. So you know, I'm just hoping that they are able to put it. Off, they are able to pull it off. Because I have seen the Cape Coast Stadium. The Cape Coast Stadium is one of the best stadiums we have at the moment. But the Cape Coast Stadium is not that much of an ultra-modern facility that can host other games yeah, or other sporting sporting disciplines. So maybe I, I don't think there will be Bro, a place to play. Say, but it was the same government. Or, it was the same government that was or, or even Coast tennis. Right? You get it. So oh, oh, it was Mahama. Which one did they build? No, it was Mahama actually. Which one did they build? Yeah. Um, the the Kansas they just built the the AC Pong, okay. AC Pong, and then they built AC Pong, and then they built the Tamale Stadium. Yeah, that's what I yeah. wanted us to talk but about. But even the like, AC Pong Stadium is in, is in very is bad shape. I mean, it's, it's, like it's no even look at Akraspo Stadium. Oh my god! The th- the thing is, the thing is, I feel like um, the National Sports Authority should be privatized. That is the only way we can we can get the true. Um, the true maintenance culture that we are looking for. Now, I, I don't know if any of you have been to I the, the Bukum Boxing Arena and have seen the gym there and then the pool and everything. But because it is private, it is privately managed. Because it is privately managed, the pool is clean at all times. The the boxing arena is a place where I I, I feel like that is one of the best kept areas in this in this in this city. Yeah. Because if you check out the gym, the gym is in perfect shape every day. The, the boxing arena is in good shape every time. Even the last time when um, there was a boxing, uh, there was a bout at the at the boxing arena, and then a fight broke out between fans of the two boxers, and then they broke chairs, they did blah blah blah, whatever they did. Within a space of like three months, the chairs had been repaired, and people who did it were found culpable, and then they paid for the chairs that they they broke. You get it. So it's because it is privately owned, they make sure that everything is done properly. But let's look at the National Sports Authority. It has been there for years. We have always complained about maintenance culture of our stadiums and stuff like that. It hasn't been done. In February, when I went to Tamale and I saw the Tamale Stadium, I didn't quite like it. The pitches by the Tamale Stadium that were created as training pitches, there are about four or five pitches. In 2008, all the way down to about 2014, those pitches were green. It was green grass that were on those pitches. Now, ask me how those pitches look like at the moment. They've, they've turned into dusty pitches. Oh, and nobody has, done, nobody has done anything about it. You get it. The Accra Sports Stadium was renovated just a year ago under the former sports minister, um, Isaac Esiama. 
And if you go there now, I mean, I was I was there after it was renovated, when all the washrooms were cleared, the media center was renovated, the chairs were done, everything. Now, it's been just one year, and you, you can't use the washroom if you go to the stadium. It shouldn't be like that. You can't, you can't even, you can't even have some private time when you go to the stadium because everything there is is just out of shape. And the National Sports Authority guys are just sitting down and watching. They take money every time. You know they take money every time the teams play. So if Hearts play a game at the Accra Sports Stadium, they pay. I think they pay about twenty thousand CDs every time they play a game at the Accra Sports Stadium. So yes. That's how much they pay. Yes. Exactly. How much do they make for the matches that you are paying so much? So just imagine. Exactly. And and count the number of teams who play in Accra. Because right now, I think I think that I think that the range is from about five thousand cities to twenty thousand cities. So if so if so if every every match they are paying this amount of money, every match they are paying that amount of money. Where does the money go? What do they use the money for? Why is the stadium not in perfect shape? Right now, right now they are renovating the, the stadium in Kumasi, Babayara. And I think that they are about 70% done. Babayara will be done. And in the next one year or two years, it will be back into its old state because the National Sports Authority will not do anything about it. They won't try to maintain it. Even floodlights, kill, even floodlights. The last time the the last time there was an issue about the floodlights at the stadium, and it was all because the person who was supposed to switch on the floodlights had gone home Actually, with the key. Just imagine. He had gone home with the key. So the match that they were playing, nobody told him that there's a match going on. So he has gone home with the key. And we are we are all sitting in the stadium waiting for floodlights to come on. Do you get it? So so the way we manage things in this country, the National Sports Authority. I don't. I'm. I'm not happy with how they are. They are. They are managing things in the country. Look at the national hockey pitch. It is in poor shape. It is. It is a product of the national sports authority. There's a national sports college in Winneba, and that college is rotten. The place is rotten. It's a national sports college where there are dormitories for sportsmen. There are. There are countless number of tennis courts. There's a golf course there. There's a. There's a hockey pitch. There's a basketball court. Everything. The place is rotten because the National Sports Authority cannot take care of the place. And right now, as I'm speaking to you, the hostels over there that the sports people should be in are sportsmen who are who the country is supposed to hold in high esteem are supposed to be there and have rooms there. They have used it for a guest house. And and people in Winneba go there to pay money and go and put their girls there and chop them over there. It is not the best. It is not the best. The way we man things in this country is not the best. It's high time someone steps up and try to put things in the right place. Because if you are if you are going to sit down and look at things this way, it is never going to work. And look, all our stadiums are poor. All our stadiums are poor. Across Bowl Stadium, Babayara, uh, Tamale Stadium, the one in the one in Second D, I don't even want to talk about it because it is it's almost dead now. And then there's and then the one in Cape Coast. The the, the sports minister who left tried because he started building youth centers across the country. I think he built about about nine or eight of them. He built one in Yangpala. He built one in New Edubiase, where you know the, the the people in the community could go and 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 enjoy themselves and stuff like that. And he tried with the with the pitch, and then he made stands around it, which was very very good. I think there was also one in Walewale, which he did. You understand? But 
how sustainable are these facilities? In the next one year, will we see these facilities? In the next two years, will we see these facilities? Are they still going to be looking as sparkling new as they are looking now? Those are the questions. If not, then the National Sports Authority has to be privatized. Then they should bring a private company in, a private company in so that they can be able to check some of these things. I mean, private-owned institutions are thriving in this country and they are doing the best that they can to uphold things that the public sector could not do. Even now, even nowadays, people are opting for, for private retirement packages instead of SNITs. You understand? So things have to change. If, if they are not changing, then I don't, I don't know how far we can go. And, and in all honesty, I don't think in this country we take sports seriously. We don't take sports seriously at all. We only brag about it. We only say, oh, the whole country is on vibes. Oh, Ghana, we like sports, blah, blah, blah. But we don't care about it at all. We don't care about sports at all. Look, the, the, the athletics team have qualified to, uh, the, the athletics relay team have qualified to, 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 to run at the Olympics. They, they, they don't even know how much they are getting if they get there. And these are, these are all students who are using facilities of their university. And they've used the facilities of their universities to, to qualify our country to the Olympics. And still nobody cares. Azamati broke the national record. He's, he's, one, he's one of only three Ghanaians who have been able to run under 10 seconds. Nobody can has we been get, able... can, can we get him on here? Oh, we, can, we can't get him on here. I mean, I, I feel like right now, he's, uh, I think he's running tonight. He's running tonight in, in one of the meets in, in, in the US. Yesterday, he ran 10.03, which, yeah. which is a few seconds shorter than, than what he ran in March where he broke the national record. But we, we can't get him on here. I think that there's so much on, on his head, that, uh, on his mind that he wants to say about Ghana and representing Ghana and all of that. Look. All right. There yes. Was, I don't know if any of you remember, but... Yeah, Margaret I remember Simpson, I don't know if you... I don't know if the name rings a bell. yeah. Exactly, Margaret Simpson. I mean, I dare say that Margaret Simpson has been. Was that a long jump? She was a she was a she was a heptathlon athlete, so she could do long jump. She could do hurdles. She could do almost everything. <clears throat> and in in two thousand and six, when we went for the Commonwealth Games, Margaret Simpson hmm. was the one who won most of our medals. Tell me where Margaret Simpson is now, or, or you just ask me where Margaret Simpson is. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Margaret Simpson sells yeah. in the market now. Nobody huh? cares for Margaret Simpson. Exactly. Joking. She sells in the market now. Nobody cares for Margaret Simpson in, in this country. Nobody cares. Everybody has, oh. just, everybody has just moved on from Margaret Simpson. Our, our national 100-meter women's record holder is Vida Nim. I spoke to Vida three weeks ago for, for, an article of, for an article for a magazine. And Vida spoke so bitterly about Ghana. She's only one of the fortunate people who were able to work the system, and now she's in Germany, and you know she's. This is why. This is why. She's just one of the lucky ones. Switched. Where are the rest? Where are the rest? You get it. So you like this episode title. So so exactly. So it's a it's a really big problem. It's something that we all have to do. Ignatius Geza decided to go and represent the Netherlands, and and he's been thriving since. Ignatius is doing very well with himself now. But I can't say same for our athletes. Aziz Zakari was, was a man who, you know, also had his own ways. He has been able to, you know, um, get his contacts right. He, he got everything right. And now he's also in the U.S. Himself and Leo Mouse knows are in the U.S. But the other athletes, 
Emmanuel Tufo is back here. Emmanuel Tufo is Emmanuel Tufo held the 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 one hundred meter record for a really long time. He has gone to three Olympics for Ghana. He he has won countless medals at Africa Games. He has gone to countless Commonwealth Games. And and he is also one of the fortunate ones. He's back in Ghana and now he's working at the Athletics Association trying to nurture you know young athletes. But there's nothing to write home about for athletes in this country. There's nothing to write home about. Look, when we went for the Africa Games in 2019, we won we won gold in high jump. The young girl who won gold in high jump for Ghana, um, uh, Rose Yaboa, she won gold in high jump in Ghana. And she came back to Ghana. And nobody, nobody tried to do anything for her. Nobody, nobody tried to motivate her. Nobody gave her any money, whatever. And this girl, she's, she's a student at UCC. So she just went back to school. You understand? Now they're trying to get her to, 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 to one of these athletics meets to just try and qualify for the Olympics. But the girl is not interested. Because when she won gold, nobody did anything for her. So the gold medal is still there and she doesn't have anything to show for it. So why do we pride ourselves in this country that we are a sporting nation again? Why do we do that? We, there's, there's no way any of us should be happy with the state of sports in this country. Look, boxing is one of the, is one of the most important sports in this country. <laughs> I think I'll just end with this boxing boxing point because if i go on i'll just go on and on and on extra boxing, time episode upcoming. boxing extra. is the most it's one of the most important sports in this country after football it is after football it is boxing now look we have won four medals just four wow. as a country we've won just wow. four medals at the olympics we've won just four medals wow. we've won we've won one one bronze we've won three bronze medals and one silver medal out of the three medals that we won out, I mean, out of the out of the four medals, three of them are boxers. One in nineteen sixty at the Olympics. One in nineteen sixty, one in nineteen sixty four, and one in nineteen seventy eight. Those are the only medals we've won. And I mean, out of the four medals that we've won, three of them are for boxing. The only medal that the other the only other medal that we have is the medal that the nineteen ninety two team won at the Olympics in Barcelona. Yeah. The team that had Mohamed Gago and and Mio Datilamte and the rest. As in football. As in football, yes. Yeah. So we only have four medals as a country. How do we pride ourselves as a country if you have four medals? With it all, is because all the inter schools which have exactly, been the like, It is because consistently, year in, year out, we keep making the same mistakes. In 2016, when I was when I was actively covering the Olympics, I they they went into camping in March for the Olympics that was going to start in, in, in August. That's when they went into camping. Last year, last year, our boxers wanted to go to Senegal to, to qualify. They were, they were going to Senegal, or just here, Senegal, here, to qualify for the Olympics. They didn't have money to qualify. They didn't, they didn't have money to fly there. Individuals had to use their money to fly these guys to, to Senegal to try to qualify Ghana to the Olympics. And then, and then they came back, and then just one boxer qualified. When, even when they got to Senegal, there wasn't even food that they were going to eat was hard. How they were going to be, to be catered and everything was really, really hard for them. So it is very difficult. Nobody cares about anybody. So I feel like this idea of spending too much money on football 
anytime it comes up, I am always going to champion it because I have seen what they do with other sports. Nobody cares about other sports. Look, the Blasters come into town, they put them in the best of hotels, they put them, uh, they put them in, in, in the best of hotels, they give them the best training facilities, they give them a really good bus. What have the Black Stars done? What have the Black Stars done? They've become perennial underachievers. But our boxers have that consistently... That they can hold a whole nation to ransom. Exactly. But our boxers have consistently gone ahead and done things. Look, off the top of my head, I can count two boxing world champions that Ghana has produced in the last three years. Isaiah Dobe and Richard Comey. They've all gone ahead and, and they've, won, they've won world titles. And, and in, in their... In their in the away class, it is not easy to, 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 to actually get a world title there. Dobe forced, he couldn't retain the title. And Richekome also forced, he also couldn't retain the title. So, I mean, I feel like if there was just a little government support for our boxers, they could do extraordinary things. If there was government and very lastly, very, very lastly, one of, one of our most important boxers in this country, I think that this topic is something that when, when it happened, I was really, really sad. And that was when I actually lost hope in this country. Look, in 1994, Alfred Cote went to the U.S. alone. He just left Ghana alone and went to the U.S. and consistently conquered everybody to become a world champion. When he became a world champion in 1994, he came back to Ghana. He brought the title to, to, to Ghana. He, they had a rally for him in Bukom. He went to see the president. At the Osu Castle, everything was well and good for him. Alfred Cote died last year as a pauper. Nobody even knew he had died. He fell down. He fell down. He got an injury from, from, from falling. And he didn't have money to go to the hospital to treat himself. And he died. This is someone who is a national hero for this country. Nobody knows what happened to him. Nobody knows. He just died. And all they did was that when he died... It was even individuals in this country who knew about Afrikoti and care about him who decided to fly his body from the States to Ghana to, to get him buried over here. Look, there's so much we can do. Okay, oh, I mean, if I'm going to talk about this, I'll talk about it until tomorrow morning. So let's just, let's just end it here. <laughs> what, what a way to end episode 100. You, you know, <laughs> we catch 100 episodes on ATW. And uh, we, would, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't have been able to do all this without you guys. So thank you for working with us as far as you have. And if you haven't already, please follow our Twitter account at ATWPodcastGCR. And give us feedback on our episodes by either mentioning the handle or using the hashtag ATWGCR. And also please remember to give us a five-star on Apple Podcast page to help us re- uh, reach more listeners. Keep on sharing, keep on promoting, keep on pushing the podcast so we keep on going higher episode 100 Charlie you guys try you guys try for me you guys try for me you guys try for me big up yourselves uh, we'll end it or we'll end this episode off on um, one tweet of the week sponsored by Danboard Trading and you can hit up the budget now for all your car battery needs whenever you need them tweet of the week coming from at FCB lad underscore lad uh, <laughs> Charlie this this start be crazy we start we start to tweet but it says, just clock that Manchester City have scored 700 goals in 288 matches under Guardiola. This tweet was as at uh, the 2nd of May. And today be the 8th. Your man banged at least a few <laughs> against mm-hmm. PSG did. 
at least once a day. So yeah, 700 goals plus in 288 matches. Okay, please, please. Okay. Case closed, case closed. We have, we, have come, we have come to the end of the episode. Uh, big shout out to the Gold Coast Report for hosting us. Uh, look, uh, do well to go to listen to gcr.com to check out their podcast. Um, I, th- I, f- I feel like we, we haven't had hot takes in a while, so uh, we'll, we'll be, we need more hot takes. We need some hot takes coming in so that we can uh, shout you out on the show. Also, um, we are planning and this is for everybody listening so that they can all hit up smiley we are planning <laughs> to record live uh, before the champions league and europa league finals uh we hope to try and leave get some people on the podcast as well so if you're interested or coming on the podcast you can hit up myself as smiley the third or you can hit up smiley as smiley the third <laughs> kawawa as smiley the third or crack as smiley the third the, the Twitter Thank you. Like smiley the Ted. Everything. Smiley the Ted. Nice or one. Or the ATW uh, podcast page. Yeah. Everything. Thank you to our sponsors, Kentucky GH and uh, the Bojana. No NBA uh, roundup this week, only because players are coming on. So I'd, I'd rather just wait to see where everybody has locked up. Lakers seem to be slipping, but hey, you know, it's Brownie, baby. Anything That's can happen. It. That's why there are no takes today. So let's go. <laughs> Shall we? One hour, but yeah, it, it needed to be said. Needed to be said. All, all that uh, Kawawa mentioned. So Ghanaians should really have a long look at themselves and see what they want as a nation mm-hmm. and how they treat uh, each other and their heroes as well. It's not about mm-hmm. looking inwards, but being a collective and looking at what we see and what we make for ourselves. Yep. That, that. Thank you for listening uh, to us. We'll catch you on the next one. ACW dominates the conversation. Hey there, I'm Mamiya from the MCNO podcast. We bring you the latest conversation with the most interesting people in town from the perspective of the youth, which you wouldn't want to miss. Find us on listen to gcr.com forward slash the MCNO pod. Or find us on all your favorite podcast platforms. Catch you later. Neymar, Busquets. Se va al ataque de nuevo el futuro campeón de liga. Messi dejando el balón para Neymar. Atención, ahí fuera de juego. Balón para Luis Suárez. Gol. Va a golpear Cristiano. Se espatarra el bicho. Va a golpear con la derecha, chuta Cristiano. Gol. Costa turns out the finals. Hazard. Won the title for Leicester City tonight. Irving and Curry one on one. Irving puts it up. It's good. Kyrie Irving from downtown. This has been a Gold Coast Reports production. Catch up on episodes and discover more shows from our network on listen to gcr.com.